I brought fortune cookies for everyone today. We've got fortune cookies. You know how they work, right? So you, you go to the buffet <laughs> and you go, you make maybe what, three trips? You know, you make little plates though, so you don't feel like you're eating too much. But you go to the buffet, you get your plate filled, you fill it again, you get the, you load up on the General Tso's chicken, and you get the fried rice, because even though it's fried, it's got little pieces of vegetables in it. You're pretty sure those green things are vegetable. And so you figure it's probably healthier for you. You get, what, two egg rolls? And you dip them in that red stuff that I think is just basically pineapple juice and syrup and a little bit of heaven, right? And then the bill comes out, and what do you do? You, with the bill comes the fortune cookie, and everybody opens up their fortune cookie. You don't have to open it right now. But, or if you want to, you can. Just clean up your mess, you know? Everybody opens up their fortune cookie, and they read their fortune, and it says, that wasn't a chicken. Wait, that's not what it says. <laughs> the fortune says, you may have sudden and surprising opportunities. Oh, well, that sounds interesting. And so, you, you know, so sometimes you read them and you laugh a little bit. And sometimes one of them hits you and you're like, well, that's, that's, that's kind of meaningful to me. And so you pop that fortune in your pocket and you think, I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to take that home with me a little bit later. I might read that again. Well, you know, that's fine when it's a fortune cookie. But we would have to confess that sometimes, sometimes... We've read our Bible kind of like a fortune cookie. We've kind of used our Bible like it's a fortune. We found a particular verse. We found like one verse that we love, one verse that means a little something extra to us. And so we, uh, we read that verse and, and we think, oh, that's, that's just what I needed right there, that verse. And we underline it or maybe we highlight it in our Bible. And then we, we take a card and we write it out on that card. Maybe we stick it with a magnet up on our refrigerator door just so we remember that one verse. Or maybe we'll put it on the bathroom mirror so you see it first thing every morning. There are few verses that we do that with more than a verse that we find here at the end of Paul's letter to the Philippians. We're going to look at Philippians 4 today, verses 10 through 20. I want to begin with verses 10 through 13. It's here that Paul writes of his experience and of what the Philippian church has provided for him. And Paul, writing of his experience, he writes this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then verse 13, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. I can do all things. How many things? All things. I can do all things. Now that verse, keep in mind, was not written by a man trying to score touchdowns or make free throws or whatever else they do in sports. This verse was written by a man who was in prison. He was alone. One of his best friends who had been there with him caring for him had gotten sick, deathly sick, and he had to be sent back home. And this man is very much alone. He has no money. He has no means of caring for himself. He is completely relying on the kindness of his friends 
And yet through those experiences and because others had cared for him, he came to see that he could trust God. And he came to see that he could say, I can do all things through him, through Christ who strengthens me. Something we do sometimes when we go out and the bill comes and everybody gets their fortune cookie is we, we open our fortune cookies up and instead of reading them aloud, we, we, we read them quietly to ourselves. And we read one and we say, oh, look at that. You know, we, we kind of read it to ourselves. And then after a while you say, you know what? I think I got yours by mistake. And we hand it off to a friend. And sometimes it's ironic because sometimes it's something that doesn't fit that person at all. And, and we were kind of joking about it. Sometimes it's because it does fit that person's need. Sometimes it's something they need to hear, and we share that with them. So we, we give our fortune away, and they take it, and they read it, and they go, oh, you're thinking about me, and then they put it in their pocket, and they hold on to it for later. I wonder if there's something like that that we could do. I wonder, I wonder if, if there's something we've missed in our appropriation of a verse like Philippians 4.13 for ourselves. I wonder if, if the best thing we could do with a verse like that is not to hoard it for ourselves, appropriate it for ourselves, but if we could learn to give a verse like that away. I want you to know. I want you to know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So that when, when your life's not going well, when you're facing struggles... Uh, when, when you're facing illness, when, uh, when, you're facing, when you're facing crushing loneliness, that you might know the truth, that you can do all things, that you can do the needful thing, the necessary thing that is right in front of you. You can do this thing. Because the point of the verse wasn't that Paul was bragging about what he had found for himself, but he's telling the Philippians what he wanted them to have, and what he wanted them to know for themselves. And that's something, that's something we can't keep to ourselves. That's something that, that we have to share with others. And, and that's what Paul is showing us through this passage. He's showing us, he, well, he's showing us, hold on. I hope this is the right one. He's showing us, I hope they open. Sometimes I need help. You know that. Uh, he's showing us that, oh, here it is, here it is. He's showing us that uh, giving to others is an act of kindness. Isn't that great? Just giving to others is an act of kindness. I'll, I'll hold on to that one myself. Now, I want you to notice from the very first verse, from verse 10, Paul is thankful. He's thankful for the gift that the Philippians have sent him. But he insists on, in verses 11 and 12 that he's not really in need because he has found the secret of contentment. And what you can't miss is that Paul is not so much thankful for their gift as he's thankful for their concern for him. They have learned the importance of giving and that now, because of his need, they have had an opportunity to give. It's there in verse 14 that he expresses it. He says, yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. He goes on in verse 15, he says, and you Philippians... You yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. It was kind of you to share in my troubles. Some of your Bibles say it was good of you to share in my troubles. Goodness, kindness. Neither one really gets to the heart of what Paul is saying, what the phrase is that he's using there. 
What he's saying is it was the right thing for you to do, to give. Not just right, but it was the beautifully right thing for you to do. It was beautifully right. You saw a need and you responded. You gave. That was the right thing for you to do. It was right because it met the need. It was right because Jesus was seen in your gift. And because Jesus was seen, it was beautifully right. This past summer, Gracie and I went to Indianapolis one Saturday for a convention there at the convention center. We had a great time. A lot of times when we go to these conventions, we'll end up going out and finding lunch somewhere. There's this great little place down the road from the convention center. You go down the road, you turn, and you go into this really sketchy looking alley. But on the other end of the alley is this place called Pearl Street Pizza and Pub. Pearl Street Pizza and Pub has amazing pizza. I'm not going to speak to the pub part right now, but anyway, they got great pizza. And so we always try to go there. We've gone several times. Remember one year we went to Pearl Street for lunch and we ordered a little bit more than what we could eat. And so we asked for a box to take our last slice or two back. And I said to Gracie as we were getting ready to leave, I said, now Grace, we can either take this box back to our car and leave it there in the sun all day or we could find someone on the street who needs to be fed. What do you think we should do? She said, let's find someone we could give the pizza to. I remember we walked around the corner and there was a man sitting on the, on the sidewalk with a little sign that said, need money for beer. <laughs> I love that he was being honest about it. I said, hey, I don't have any money for beer, but I got a slice of pizza from Pearl Street. He said, I'll take that. That's good pizza. And so we fed him that day. He blessed us and we went on. This last summer, this last summer when we went, we were a little more hungry. We ended up eating all of our pizza. But after we got done with lunch, we ended up going down to the circle, down to the, down to the, uh, the, the fountain. And we, got our, we took our picture there and we saw the sights. And as we were walking back, we encountered a man in a wheelchair. He told me that he was a veteran. And I listened to his story and he said he was living on the streets, living in a homeless shelter and wanted to know if we could help him. I said, absolutely. And we, we shared a little bit and gave him some cash that day. Now, now is, is there a chance in our giving that we have been taken? <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I love to hear their stories, but let's be honest, sometimes their stories are just stories. They've learned the stories and they know how to tell them well. Is it still good of us to give? Of course it is. Is it still kind of us to give? Yes, absolutely. It is a kind thing to do. But most of all, when we give, it is beautifully right. It is the beautifully right thing for us to do. Not just because of what it does for that person with their need but because what it does for us and what it does for my daughter, because I can show my daughter how to treat somebody and how to treat them with kindness, how to treat them with love, how to value another human being. And so giving to others is an act of kindness. That's important for you and I to remember. Giving to others is an act of kindness. We need to remember that when we do see someone with a need. It's also important for you and I to remember for ourselves when you give to other people, when you're giving to others, you remember God's promises to you. You remember the promises that God has made to you. So it's not just that Paul has a need here. 
And it's not just that we have a need to remember this month to remember our missionaries. It's not just that Amy Crowell came two weeks ago and shared about the need at the Yahadi Boys Home, which was amazing. And, you know, we, we understood the need and, and we're giving towards that need. It's not just that we know that Choices Pregnancy Center has a need. And so we've gathered up those baby bottles and you've taken them home and you've filled them with change and brought them back. And we're going to go share those with Choices Pregnancy and Health. You and I have a need to give. We need to give. When we're generous, something inside of us changes. And Paul doesn't want the Philippians to miss that here. He doesn't want them to miss that they are different because they give. Verse 17, he says, it's not that I seek the gift. It's not that I seek the gift. It's not about me, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Look at verses 16 and 17 together. He says, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my need once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul's got their spiritual well-being in mind here. He's saying, I'm not looking for anything for myself. I'm looking for what I can do for you. I'm looking for the blessing that can be credited back to you. Something in us changes when we learn how to give, when we learn how to give intentionally, when we learn how to give from the heart, we become, more, we become more and more aware of God's provision for us. As you give more, you realize how blessed you are and how, that you are blessed enough that you can give. Just a little over a year ago, we lost our friend Jim Webb. It's been, been just what, it was a year ago in October. And that was a difficult loss for all of us, losing Jim. And yet the stories that came during that week and the stories that came during the funeral and the visitation time, stories of, of Jim's generosity, stories of, of Jim's joy, stories about how, how Jim was faithful, how Jim gave to people and the way that he gave to them was beautifully right. One of the stories that I shared during the funeral was the family had told me that Jim always kept a $50 bill tucked in his wallet behind his driver's license. Jim always had that there, that $50 bill behind his driver's license, so that if there was ever a need, and I saw him more than once reach into his wallet and pull that $50 bill. I was the recipient of it a couple of times, but people here in the church, we'd have people show up and, and Jim would help them out. But, but if there was ever a need, Jim wanted to be ready to give. And I shared that story in, in the funeral, and afterwards, I got messages from people, not just men in our church, mind you, but men in our community messaged me to say, I put a $50 bill behind my driver's license. I put a $50 bill behind my driver's license. That one $50 bill that Jim was always ready to give, suddenly it just increased exponentially, and there were so many $50 bills in our community ready to give. A couple weeks ago, I was checking into a hotel in Lincoln, getting ready for class, and the lady asked for my driver's license, and I pulled my driver's license out, and there I saw a tuck behind my driver's license, my $50 bill. And I realized that's the same $50 bill that I put there the day of Jim Webb's funeral. I've been holding on to it for over a year. Now, have I given? Have I helped other people? Absolutely, of course I've helped other people. <laughs> but you know what I've been waiting for? I've been waiting for someone who is worthy. Worthy of my Jim Webb $50 bill. 
I have to quit doing that because that's not the point. The point isn't to find someone who's worthy. The point isn't to find someone whose story pulls at your heartstrings or his story is exceptionally believable or you check it out and make sure their story is true as opposed to others. The point is that we, we give. Paul told the Philippians, he says, it, it's not about my need. Instead, he says, it is about the fruit that will increase to your credit, to your account. The fruit that will increase. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Sound familiar? The fruit that increases to your account. It's about how in the way that you give, you are imitating Jesus. When you give, you're also receiving back. You're reminding yourself of God's promises to you. Now, obviously, it's it's not just about what giving does for you, what it does for us. That gift that you give has power, power far beyond uh, the power of a $50 bill tucked in your wallet. And so when you give, when you give, give to others so that they know that it is God who is meeting their need. When you give, give to others in such a way that they know that it is God who is meeting their need. So we begin with verse 13. Everybody loves verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Everyone loves verse 13. They claim verse 13 for themselves. I have seen it on stickers. Surely I have a rubber stamp at home somewhere that's got verse 13 on it. I've never used it, but I got it just in case I needed it sometime. I've seen it under the eyes of football players. I, I, have, seen, I have seen it tattooed on people's arms more often. Never mind what else I've seen tattooed on their arms. But I've seen it tattooed a lot. People, people have that verse. But Paul's goal with this truth from verse 13 was never to keep it to himself. It was never to, to hoard it. Rather, he wanted the Philippians to know what the power of their gift had given him. And so what begins in verse 13 with, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, it ends in verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. It is an audacious claim, isn't it? My God will supply every need of yours. How many needs? Every need. How many things? All things. In the same way that Paul knew that he could do all things, and he knew he could do all things because there were others who were giving. Because you give, I am convinced that I can do all things. Because when you give, it is kind, it is good, it is beautifully right. Because when you give, you remember God's promise to you. Because when you give to others, you show them that it is God who is actually meeting their needs. Two weeks ago today, we had our celebration of life service for Ed Nichols. It was a wonderful time to be together. We had a great time and so many wonderful stories. Stories came in from all over the place. There were stories that came in from missionaries around the world and church leaders from around the world and all over the place. There was a story that was told. It was amazing that someone wrote a book about revival in Africa and there's a little blurb in there about Ed Nichols and, and his impact in Africa. But I think one of the most impactful stories that we heard two weeks ago today came from the grandkids 
And the story they had about, about Ed and Janice. A few years ago, several years ago now, Ed and Janice uh, took the money that they would have given the grandkids for Christmas gifts that year, and they found a family in need. I'm just assuming it might have been a family in our community that they found a family in need, and they took that money that normally would have been spent on gifts and trinkets and Christmas presents for the grandkids, and they gave it to that family. And the grandkids instead got a letter that year, and the letter told them, we've taken your money, we found someone with a need, they needed help, we helped them, and so your gift was used to help them. That made an impact on those grandkids. More than one grandkid told that story that day. Every grandkid saw uh, the, the importance of that. Every grandkid saw that it's not about them. It's, it's about giving to others so that they know that it is God who is actually meeting their needs. Now, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but Christmas is coming. It's going to be here in just a little over a month. I mean, it is coming really fast. And there are those that you need to buy gifts for. I, I've got a granddaughter now. And she needs to get Grandpa something, I guess. And probably Grandpa needs to get her something, right? Grandpa's already got a gift for his granddaughter. I'm already getting ready for that. But there's going to be others who you give them a gift and they're going to say, oh, you didn't have to give me anything. Oh, you didn't have to do that. Oh, this is too much. They'll say something like that. I, I wasn't expecting anything from you. What if we approach Christmas like Ed and Janice this year. What if we approach Christmas like Ed and Janice? I want to challenge you. And maybe what I want to do is challenge all of us together. What if you found one person? What if you found one family? What if you found one need? Maybe what if we all found that one need together? You know? And what if we chose to give extravagantly to that need? Maybe, guys, maybe this is the time when you break out that $50 bill and maybe you add another 50 or a couple of 50s to it. You know, and maybe we just give extravagantly to that one need. Give so that they see the truth that it is God who supplies their every need. You know, there are people in our lives who probably know Philippians 4.13. They've heard it, they've seen it, they've seen the tattoos, they've seen it under the eyes of the football players, but they've never seen the truth of it for themselves. And we can quote it, we can talk about it, we can put it out there, we can, we can make sure everybody knows what that verse says, but until we live like it's true, until we meet their needs, they will never know the truth of it. And it's likely they'll never know the Savior behind it. They'll never know Jesus. All through this letter to the Philippians, all through our series, we've come back to this idea. First expressed by Paul in chapter 1, verse 7, as he tells the Philippians, I hold you in my heart. And so we have recognized as we read this letter, not just for ourselves, but we read this letter for those we hold in our hearts there are people that we love people that in chapter 2 paul would say they are like-minded that we consider them better than ourselves that we consider them first but today we need to realize there are those out there there are those in our community who are not in our hearts yet 
They're not in our hearts. You're not thinking about them yet. And yet to give to them, to share with them, and to help them see that it is God who supplies their needs, that draws them near. Draws them near into our hearts, into our, into, into our lives, into our fellowship. Let's, let's give to bring people near. There's opportunities for us to do that. An opportunity was shared with me this morning of a family in our community that's got a need. And it might just be, when I heard about this need, I thought, isn't it weird that I'm preaching about that today? <laughs> it might just be that we found somebody that we can give to extravagantly. And in those moments when they realize what they can't do for themselves, that they cannot do anything for their need. That they realize there's a God who can do all things, who through them that can do all things. That there is a God who will meet their every need with His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We can do that for someone. We can do that for a family. We can do that for a lot of people. We come to communion. You know, one of the oldest names for what we're about to do, one of the oldest names for this is the Eucharist, uh, meaning Thanksgiving is, is what it means. It means the time of Thanksgiving. And so we come together today not just to remember our sin and how miserable we have been, but we remember that there is one who loved us. And when we had a need that we could not meet in ourselves, He met that need for us. We come to remember the body broken, the blood shed, and the life given that we might have life eternal. Let me pray. And uh, in a moment, we'll take this together. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You for the, the opportunities we have to share with others. Lord, there, there are needs out there that we see every day. And I, I pray that you would open our, not just our eyes, but open our hearts to those needs. And help us to realize that we, it's not just a matter of meeting a need. It's not just a matter of giving to that need. It's a matter of giving in such a way that they see that, that you are there. And that you love them. And that you hold them in your heart. And so I pray today as we commune together, as we take this together, would you remind us again of that call to care for the people around us and that the greatest thing that we can do as the body of Christ is to give ourselves just as you gave yourself to us. Thank you for the bread that represents his body, the cup that represents his blood. And thank you for the time we have to share these things together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.